0: This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community.
1: I have three incredible guests today to take me on this journey, to take us on this journey. Um, And as I usually say around the the hour mark, oh gosh, it's here already. So we are gonna try and look at three specific areas today. We're gonna look at the motivations of young people. We know, um, or hopefully, and we can discuss today if we don't know in in our audience around dropout rates. And um, it's really, really, um, I think important for us to know, especially during this changing time, what kind of motivations our young people, our teenagers will have, and um, how to coach those when different life changes, getting a job, exact times, returning after a COVID period, a lockdown period, um in that kind of restorative stage. And then some some coaching tips from our guests who are um masters in the coaching education and engaging world they've all spent time inside education inside those four walls with this age group and younger and older and then on the ground in their um in their different work areas and i will go to mark first if you just give us a quick snapshot mark of what coaching i know i know i have the pleasure of working with you but we're gonna park that hat and put on the coaching hat today which i know you you absolutely love and um, give us a little insight into when you you're coaching if you don't mind
0: i like wearing hats nowadays kind of necessity um hi hi everyone welcome to curious coaches club so in in a coaching space i am the england boys under 16 head coach and have done that for quite a time and previously in other guys coached under 18 girls programs um yeah for a number of years i'm also fortunate to be a or was, I suppose I still am, a qualified teacher, and I've worked in education for, uh, yeah, for seven, eight years um, in, in various roles, but yeah, generally, well, always secondary school, uh, 11 to 18, so yeah, I've got quite a broad experience. I've also got two kids, although not teenagers at times, definitely act like it, so yeah. <laughs>
1: Great work! I can't wait to dive into all of that, Um Caroline. If I could come to you next, I know that you had to do some work uh, with the Foundation of Light Service, um, the charity, and then you also work in the National Citizen Service. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your engagement with the teenage age group?
2: Yeah, so I've worked for the Foundation of Light for ten years. Now. Um Over that time, I've had lots of different job roles. Um, most recently, I'm going four years into being in a secondary school full time, so I run football academies in there so that's sort of like introduced us more to sort of the teenage age group Uh, and then since coming back to work i worked for two weeks on the ncs program as well so i did two weeks on ncs and then i've had the kids back in at the secondary school over the past two weeks as well in preparation for them returning tomorrow
1: wow oh gosh yeah i can't i can't wait to talk to you about that when we get to the change area i can only imagine the amount of detail that's gone into that planning um gareth uh, if you'd indulge us, uh, I know you're down with doing a bit of work with the academy in London Irish in the school system down in Mill Hill. Tell us a little bit about your engagement in in this particular age group, or with.
3: Um, yeah, uh, well, firstly, um, hi everybody. Um, it's amazing to um, to to have been uh, asked to be on this. Um and yeah, just um from my my point of view, I've 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 been sort of coaching now for about um about eight, eight or nine years. Um, I sort of started my journey as a community rugby coach for England rugby. Um I then did a little bit of um social inclusion work as uh, um on the Hits Hits project, which is a, a premier premiership rugby initiative. Um uh, and then sort of went from there, started to sort of go through the uh, the national England academy pathways, uh, working with Saracen's academy. um and in the last couple of years, I've been working in um in a secondary school in North London uh, alongside working with London Irish Academy as well um, uh, with the with this well with all all the age groups really, but primarily with the under sixteens to under eighteens um, and uh, doing a little bit of um staff coach education as well.
1: Wow, the list is endless. Um, So I'm I'm really excited to talk to all of you. I've had a bit of experience coaching in this particular age group, but no matter how much, how many stats I see, no matter how many sessions I deliver, we're still looking at humans, we're still looking at the ever evolving, changing um, world and age group. So um, if if I could say as a group, we'll dive into motivations. Um, first in kind of understanding, say we take the understanding that it's a rapid learning period, rapid brain development period, um, and we we dive into that. Mark, if I could come to you first around motivations what what kind of considerations do you have and take around the motivations of young people or even sorry, if I could question it better, like how do you find out the motivations of the athletes that you're coaching?
0: Well, I think the biggest thing, um, and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm by no means an expert in this, and I'm, what I'm probably coming from is from making an absolute uh, shed load of mistakes with this. Um, I think in my um, early years as a coach, I was definitely all about, like, spout the hockey and about playing hockey and, you know, being really good at hockey, whereas obviously, certainly in the last six or seven years, it's really been about building connections and getting to understand essentially understand the why of why people are doing sport and only real way you can understand the why is to actually have good conversations and good relationships with, with the players or, or the people that you're working with Um so essentially i'm looking to try and understand why they are where they are now there are definitely some some key things as to why they're there so uh the challenge of competition they might see sort of a desire or a determination to succeed in a particular pathway which is what we will see in ours but also there's reasons that came before that such as uh, enjoying the sport it might be a, a relationship with with a parent or a significant other that's introduced them to it or importantly just the fact that they, like, they enjoy it they like to socialize and they like to have fun but for me it's about engaging in you know good good high quality chats with them around why they want to do it and and being attentive and listening and observing things and to try and pick those bits up to, to help build those relationships
1: yeah, um gareth if i link it on the back of that point if you were involved in an academy do you like how often is uh, do you have interactions and coaching sessions with those athletes and does that help or hinder the motivation Motivational kind of understanding of those athletes, as for you as a coach.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I really like what Mark said there about sort of um, you know the, the the conversation side of um, of getting to know your uh, your audience, um, you know, and the and and the person that's um, that's in front of you. And I, I think um, you know, and within that, it's persons on a, on a lot of cases. If, you know, if you're working in sort of team sports um out on the field but but then you do often find yourself working with just the person as well and i think that it's you know the more and more you can have i, I suppose I'll probably coin it like the, those corridor conversations if you like uh, which can happen inside or outside i think they are they're imperative um to to understanding um you know what what drives somebody what what motivates uh, somebody to want to be there i think again mark said um the why factor and i think that's massive I think as a as a coach, the more the more that you the more awareness you can have of of that sort of athlete or that that young person in front of you. I think the more that you can use that um, to the relationships advantage um, and how you get the best out of that person for for why they're there in the first place. So I think it's massive. The more time you can have with people, I think it's you know it's um it's really powerful.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah. And I can see from the work that you did with hits around that social relations and inclusion part um, coming through. Caroline, if I could jump to you in the in the many hats and many areas of work that you uh, are involved in, uh, what kind of pivotal part does, does motivations play in the different areas that you work?
2: So obviously, like the, a big part of my background is working with girls um, and obviously teenage girls with that as well in the four years that I've been in the secondary school. What I found with that is that, to begin with, what they wanted to do was get in shape and be healthy, but they also don't like running at the same time. So trying to disguise a lot of the fitness parts in football and actually trying to get them to sort of do a little bit more running, but not where they're going to hate it, where it is just sort of like doing laps or doing sprints, but actually disguising it within the practices. Um, And it's like getting to know them as well. I think the social side with the girls is like absolutely massive. If you, if you don't sort of create that relationship with them, they're not going to sort of work hard and they're not going to want to do the different things that you're trying to get them to do. And that's something that I personally struggled with to start off with, because I had a lot more experience working with like the five to 11-year-olds. And then moving into this sort of four years ago was like a big step. But something that now I absolutely love, because that social side, and now knowing some of the kids that are coming back and in, going into year 11, and some of them that have just left year 11, like known them for that amount of times like like really good so once, once you get to know them you can then get them motivated within the sessions so it's really it's like really rewarding
1: yeah i can absolutely I can imagine um mark coming back to you just really quickly on on the motivation and it came to me as gareth was speaking there say with your under 16s um and the group that you have is there anything that you do as a coaching staff or as personally as a coach to bridge the gap and uh, between sessions to to continue that rapport with the athletes.
0: I would like to say it's because I'm just a really funny humorous chap and they they all ultimately buy into me but um, I think for me as a coach I I will be I'm pretty task orientated as a coach so I actually quite like to get things done so When I when I come into the the more talent environments, which is where I tend to spend probably quite a lot of my time now, I have to be quite cognizant of the fact that 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 would be my where I would lean to will be my preference. And I have to try and think away from that uh, sort of more empathically. Uh, So I suppose it comes from being more self-aware as to actually what I like but ultimately trying to park some of that to try and meet the needs of the people that I'm working with. Um, and, and, there's a really good, there's a good question here from Greg around actually what relationship is more important? Is it coach athlete? Is it between athletes or is it between athlete and sport? Well, I think for me, Greg, the answer to that would be it's totally, um, totally individual to the person that, that is, is having the, the said relationship. So for the people that I coach, it might be that their coach athlete relationship might be really important or it might be their relationship with others in their team but ultimately that that's up to them i suppose for us it's it's again tapping into understanding that how do i do it well there's probably more formal and informal elements to what we do so from a formal perspective we have we have some certain periods during the year where we really do engage with the athletes in a one-to-one environment to really Speak to them about what their aspirations, motivations, what they want to do, how they are. Um, There's a more formalized process to that. But I think underpinning that. And again, it's linking back to what Gareth said really is around it's the informal conversations. It's looking for moments to have a conversation about something. It's looking for moments to to engage with the people that that we're coaching to actually unpick why they are here, why they are them, what what motivates them, what they're interested in. There's a great tale from one of the guys from last year who, actually, what he was a hockey player, but he was also a farmer, and it is also his main his main hobby was selling rare animals to people for thousands and thousands of pounds, and actually me knowing that about him and and enabled me and him to talk about other things just because I was inquisitive and I showed real interest into what he was doing. And I think probably how I would label that is to just try and be really authentic, but at the same time, recognize that your, your way of the world and your view of the world isn't necessarily the same as everyone else's. So, at times you have to flex and bend and really try and meet the needs of others and, and, and how they might want to sort of interact with you. So, but not as ever with this. It's not a dead straightforward answer. There's so many different moving parts and different people's thoughts and feelings that you have to try and take into account. And I'll definitely get it wrong, wrong quite a bit. But it's trying to move on from that and, and, and learn from it.
1: Yes, um, Caroline. Anything stand out in that for you in relation to your world?
2: Um, I think it's obviously just like the big thing of knowing you, and just making sure that everything sort of fits in with them and finding out what they're interested in and sort of caring about it as well. So that relationship side, obviously, when you're in obviously the school environment, you get to see them a lot more. So you're not just seeing them sort of once or twice a week. You see them every day. And I think that makes like a big difference. Because then I've also worked across into the Regional Talent Club, which were formerly the Centre of Excellences with the girls. And I kind of moved up the age groups with that and worked um, with under 14s there as well. So obviously in that talent environment and how that's different from sort of in-school sessions and just sort of like everything that you can then do to get to know the players, making sure like obviously the goals and the targets that are set are like appropriate to each individual.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think later on we'll have a... We'll have a chat about the the unmissable session, that experience that we're trying to create and and moving um, lesser and the the outcome orientated. We want to you know have these results and get this and go there. Like you, the experience first, the person first, which you've mentioned early on in the session already. Um, Gareth, if I could come to you and um, again, if that's okay, talking about um the engagement piece, can you can you give us some examples of? Say Mark has alluded to maybe the the Q and A the getting to know the the corridor conversations as you've said, Gareth. But can you give us a little bit more insight into the those who are disengaged and different projects and different ways that you've tried to engage um, the teenagers?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, can I, I just before that, I just wanted to touch base on something that Caroline mentioned earlier. I think one of the one of the biggest things for for coaching, um, and she mentioned about how rewarding it is, and I think that. Sometimes we massively underestimate the value of that as as coaches in terms of it's massively rewarding for us, but it's also hugely rewarding for them. And if they, you know, if our athletes see how rewarding it is for us in terms of what we're doing, they buy into that as well. And so they then see that authenticity and that genuinism of, of, you know, wanting to really care. I, I, again, Caroline touched base on it. And it's it's showing that. And the more and more that we can show that, I think the more and more they then feel safe and, and confident to express themselves and be more curious. And I think that's, that's massive um, in terms of allowing them to open up a bit more because it, it, that really kind of plays a huge part in that relationship building. But, but um, I suppose that links in nicely to your question. And I, and I, I guess, Um, I, I experimented in a few different ways, um, and, um, and I like what Mark said about, you know, the fact that it's okay because we get things wrong as well. And I think that's what, that's what keeps us honest as coaches. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's kind of like really key as well. And I, um, so what, one example, um, going quite far back now, when I was on the hits program. Um, one of the big thing about big things about the hits program was that um, it's a social inclusion project. So you're trying to the origins of the hits program started out that way. And I, I think it's continued, but it's, it's slightly changed a little bit in terms of its target audience. Um, but we were, we were sort of trying to reach young sort of young boys and girls in, in the sort of the estates within London. Um, and trying to sort of like get them involved in 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 using rugby as the tool as that social inclusion. Um, but I, I found out very very quickly that you 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 almost had to kind of engage them on a different level that didn't involve rugby. And I do remember once um, engaging a group of skaters. Um, in in a local park Um, and I thought well it would be quite amusing if I just sort of you know explained who I was and what I was there for and you know asked them if they wanted to get involved but sort of also offer how about I have a go at skateboarding Um, and and I think that you know whilst it was rather amusing that I sort of almost fall flat on my face on the first attempt I think that kind of that showed them that I was willing to sort of see you know from their side of the, uh, the the sort of coin if you like and then so as a result we started throwing a ball around and it, all, all it was was just throwing a ball around, having a conversation with the skateboards, me sort of having a chat with them about, you know, what cool tricks could you do? I, I then maybe tried to do a few cool tricks myself that might not have worked. Um, but um, but but that was sort of one way of uh, or one sort of way in the past that I've tried to engage whereby I've seen what they're all about and what their other likes are. And then I've tried to have a go at it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it, it engages.
1: Yeah and it links nicely to the point that's been made there from Neil and and a couple of other um a couple of other um of our our guests it's really um, about a couple of weeks ago we had a session um, uh, which I was fortunate to host. And, and our guest, Anthony Land said, um, you know, he challenges the, the younger age group to um, you know, beat him in a, in a PE a P session to some activity. And we were talking about spidey hands. And and I'm not saying that we need to be that goofy, but you've you've nailed it there with the authenticity and the vulnerability and and the and the co-collaboration. It's like as they're exploring who they are and what they like and don't like, and um, you know, motivations may change on a daily, weekly basis is on how life is is impacting so uh, that self-awareness from myself I think is as you're nailing on the head there I'm, I'm willing to say actually you know what I'm not a professional skateboarder but I'll try it out with you um and by the way here's this and here's this and you know we'll all try it together and we'll explore so yeah I love that um and thanks for sharing um mark oh, come to I you no no it did absolutely um if I could come to you mark and Neil has another question in there and I think uh, the the whole panel of um our experts today would love to dive into it he says uh can we ask the panel what their favorite go-to conversation pointers are so we have listed and said uh, corridor conversations um know and i'm sure inside the school building on a pe pitch or hall um in a a club at an academy session at an international session where there's different gaps different numbers obviously different sports uh give you different access to the athletes what would you say mark if i come to you first and then we go to caroline and and, um gareth what what kind of questions would you be asking even if it's the, the basic sentence um
0: i don't think it's as sort of linear as like you know having some favorite go-to questions i think i think it's recognizing how how you would establish your relationship with the different people being really observational around how they are who they interact interactive and then start to think about and listening listening to what's going on and paying attention when you're in the the environment i think for me, someone who's quite camp based in terms of we have set days over over a period of time, sort of normally nine months for a cycle, we will sort of see and be in and around the players sort of two to ten days for different chunks of time. So we will be able to hear, see and, and get quite a lot out. So I wouldn't necessarily say I've got like a, a list of questions on a card, which you go to uh, what I will try and do is is, is sort of ask and find out things about them just through sort of genuinely being quite inquisitive and showing a genuine interest. I think if you start to have sort of your list of oh, what's your favourite hobby? Oh, you've not got one. Right, uh, next question. I think it becomes quite false. So gen- genuinely, I'm I'm trying to be interested in them, what they get up to, ask questions that probe and find out information about them, and 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 then I'm trying to be quite natural in terms of how I would let that relationship build. So. For example, particularly over the COVID period, we 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 had a number of athletes who we immediately struck off and struck a struck a chord with, and had good relationships with. And then when we were doing our our case conferencing around how we would transition them to the next level, there were certainly three or four who I uh, said, look, I, I haven't yet built a good enough relationship with them yet to be able to give you the information about sort of who they are, what they're like, when I'm handing over to the next coach for the next level, or but it's probably a recognition that some relationships will take longer than others. So actually not, not wanting to force the issue, because again, it comes across, it might come across in, in you're probably quite well meaning with how it comes across, but it might be perceived differently by others. So just trying to be natural with it all really. So I kind of haven't given people like loads of questions they can take away, but I think my biggest message is to be to, again, as we've alluded to being quite genuine and being quite interested in them and what they get up to and then let it build from
2: there.
1: Brilliant. Um Caroline and um, Gareth, anything to add to that? Something
2: that I do um is sort of two different things. So if sort of the girls <coughs> play for teams outside of school, the next time I see them after the Saturday, I'll ask them sort of did the play, how did the game go? So they'll give like a little bit of a match report from that. And then like the the other thing that I do is like a little bit random, but talk about like films and TV series, because I go to the cinema a lot myself. So then ask them, oh, have you been to see anything recently? And then they actually get to the point where they started asking us, oh, I'm going to see this. Have you seen it yet? So it's just kind of like something a little a little bit sort of different. Um, but obviously, you know that they watch a lot of Netflix as well. So it is like a conversation starter now. It's not, not what did you watch on TV last night? It's like, oh, what series have you binge watched on Netflix? You know, like that's kind of, especially the teenagers, when they're using that a lot more now. And I imagine there's been a lot of that over the lockdown period. So it'll be interesting to see what everyone's watched well over that the past the time
1: god yeah i wouldn't say yeah i wouldn't say is that anyone who's missed out on tv or some sort of watching of something um but it, it's um it's so interesting isn't it and i know there's some comments have come in there um anita's mentioned it margaret's mentioned it, heather's mentioned it around um d- you know different ways of assessing and uh, mm-hmm. in, uh adapting to different environments and they may not want to share and there is in this teenage area. um uh, bracket that we're looking at today the massive difference and and i'm not just talking about like the the maturity level it's just the engagement and previous experiences in sport and the the context which we've all mentioned here um and I think what's really important that we, you know, you've you've both mentioned it already is, is just that normal. It's just a person to person interaction. And I know we can we could go down the technology avenue of um, do we know how to have a conversation anymore? Do we know conversation starters? Um, but I, I do think and, and for my own personal experience, how, starting with the hello and making eye contact can sometimes be a massive win um and then the next conversation uh, you know, however however close or far away it is in the next session could just be a continuation of that letting them know that you know you are you are there for them that you value them being there and then everything else that happens in the session after that and some may be willing to share their life story of the day minute by minute others might want to keep a, a closed book on that Um, gareth before we move on to the next topic anything to close that off there
3: Um, yeah, again, I just think, um, a lot of stuff has already been said and I I think you know, I love, I absolutely love the whole Netflix and uh, movies thing. I think that's brilliant. Um, I, I've had a few uh, interesting conversations with some of the stuff that some of my pupils and and, and athletes have, have watched over COVID. But um, I think the I think the, the thing that Mark said there was just just it it doesn't necessarily have to be a pre written list of questions or anything like that. It's it's the same as you would do on on the coaching pitch. It's an organic, evolving um, sort of uh, relationship. And conversation, and I think sometimes does does it necessarily always have to come from the coach? Um, You know, if if you've if we have, uh, and I'm sure we might touch base on it, but if if we have if we've used our emotion and intelligence, you know, to sort of be, I think we touched at touch base on being self-aware and then being socially aware. Then, you know, depending upon who the person is, we can challenge them to perhaps be the conversation starter themselves and, and knowing that that might have a, a real impact on their confidence. As you said, some might be willing to share and talk uh, and have that skill set, but some might not be so willing to share. So it's different skill sets that we're trying to build within them. Um, so, yeah, I think I think as long as it's organic and, and, and there, there's a, an understanding of that confidence between the individuals and where they're at, then I think it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, awesome summary. Brilliant. Um, So we are, and I'll stay with you, Gareth, while we're here, Um, life changes. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's another age group that that may have uh, exposure to different uh, changes, whether it's relationship changes um, at home or in their personal um, relationship, one-to-one life, or it could be, you know, selection of a team, uh, exams. Talk to me about how you, you kind of plan and set up for those changes that might happen. Um,
3: I think well, it, it's, um, I think some of the stuff recently, um, one, of, one of the, one of the things that's been a, a recent sort of um, uh, big change and, and build on my, on my awareness and especially in an educational setting is, is working with those sort of under 17s and under 18s that are planning for university. Um, and in a school setting, um, it uh, it can have a huge impact on uh, their availability, should we say, for for sessions or for weekends, because there's a certain point. Um, and, and Caroline, um, please jump in if if you've had different experiences, or Mark as well, because um, I'm very limited on this uh, currently. But. Um, my my experiences last year were that uh, we'd plan sort of sessions, um, and there would be games, fixtures, and things like that that were put in, put in place. Uh, and then we'd often find that one or two had pre booked uh, an open day at a university, or they'd they'd had the pressure of um, have, get, having to get some information in, so they had to miss a training session and things like that. So from a from a coaching point of view that's been a real big learning curve for me this year in the educational setting and uh you know working with the director of sport you know sort of pl- now actually planning that into well I mean obviously COVID's hit so things are going to be different nonetheless planning that into how we work that in and how we recognize that and sort of try to give them a little bit more you know a little bit more free time to feel not so pressured and that actually it's okay you know you don't don't feel panicked or worried about having to tell me that you've got to miss a session or anything like that, because this is, you know, your education is really important. Academia is really important. So, and we want them to know that we genuinely care about that. So it's, it's about sort of finding that striking balance, but I, I guess from some of the other sort of. Um, big ones uh that or you know the ones that are probably more obvious are you know changes within themselves and other things get in the way at certain ages so boys and girls girls and boys um and um you know the sometimes things like alcohol comes into play as well and so that that creates a a different conversation where 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 we might have to go down a different route with that and and a bit of a different educational look into that as well um I think sometimes some stuff changes at home as well, Um, you know, sadly and unfortunately we all know that sometimes parents divorce and they, and they split up and that can have huge sort of psychological impacts on athletes. And sometimes they might, you know, or pupils and and they might not want to share that. So um, you might pick up on that in different ways. And and then, you know, that, that again could be a different type of conversation. So there's lots of things really that, that impact on them. And again, I think it's, I think Mark mentioned it earlier about aesthetic, open mind um, to and actually going, do you know what? There isn't a white sheet that says we have to do this, this and this in this linear process. It's let's deal with the person on a case by case scenario, but treat them in the same way nonetheless.
1: Um, yeah, you and Gareth, it, um, coming to mind there was um, and it's linking again to a question we have or a statement that we have in the chat boxes that preparation, like we're all learning, we're all learning as people and we're learning in different environments. And, you know, we go on certain courses and we have a certain amount of experience with different environments and engaging in in webinars um, uh, and, and other forms of CPD. But we are going to make mistakes and learning from those is so important, but it's, I guess, under, identifying and going back to what we talked about with the motivations and knowing the people in front of you and, and, and seeing at the end of a session, not just reflecting on maybe the, the analysis and the data of what it is but what have you noticed about the people in the session um, and linking to then go, right, if I heard something at the start of a session, then I've seen something, in you know, a behavior change or a reaction of some of some sort that isn't typical to their behavior, noting it down, mapping the trends and, um, you know, in whatever way works for you, whether that is an Excel spreadsheet or it's a little survey you send out or just noting it down in your in your reflections post session. But um, I think that then allows them to 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 start to incorporate um different things into their life and have that balance um and, and you know if it is a stability thing where they come to your session um or they're coming to PE session they're coming to a club session academy session that that could be the only stable source that they have in that week in that month so yeah um piecing all that together is, is super important um and thank you for that Mark um around uh, I guess we know the age of sensitivity um, and the sensitivity to stressors that they may have with all these multiple things happening. And again, from, from an international point of view, you there's a break and then you get them for a chunk of time together. Um, is there anything that you do at your sessions or in your planning for the sessions to to be mindful of that or conversations that you have with your coaches?
0: Yeah, I think uh, just building on the, or, or sort of maybe making a comment on Neil's um, question statement around actually he finds himself managing athletes swimmers or managing athletes quite a lot i think for me uh that's coaching isn't it so what i am cognizant of when i'm uh, in a training camp is that coaching does not just take place on the pitch so i am supporting the people that i work with from the moment they get there to the moment they leave And, and at times i'm doing that away from training environments um in my role as a coach developer, I don't just turn up to watch people coach. I turn up to watch people working with athletes in debriefs, in conversations. So I think we we have to have an understanding that we're working with people all the time and we have a relationship with them that doesn't start at six o'clock and finish at eight. So first of all, I'd just be really mindful of that uh, and of reframing the fact that, yeah, we're coaching all the time. We're not just doing it during a sort of a specific session. How do I plan for it? So how how do I make it intentional within my training camps? Well, there's a number of things we do. So we we would have some more overt relationships with certain players. So what I mean by that is we will have a group that are divided up amongst the coaching staff who we are more responsible for. So we would look to be engaging more with them around, say their IDP and, and other things around that, just because we'd have probably 30 athletes at a time over two days. Uh, and we want to be a bit more, um, again, again, intentional with how we actually make sure we support them as often as possible in, in, an, in an individual um, manner. I was actually driving home from dropping my son off at preschool today and and driving past his school for next year and thinking, actually, in a class of 30 that lasts an hour, I was thinking, actually, how often would the teachers spend some um, actual one-on-one time with my son when he goes to school? Thinking, actually, it's going to be two minutes. And sometimes when I was a teacher at times, I wouldn't even speak to speak to certain kids. So it's also a question of being mindful of like, who are you looking to stretch or who needs stretch? Who needs an arm round actually spending your time when you're doing your planning, looking at these different areas and, and how you might support different people doing it. Um, because at times we can get drawn to the nice shiny ones that are really successful or we get drawn to the ones that are quite difficult to to manage and we uh, and we miss those people in the middle that are just ticking along and going on. Uh, my other bit really is, uh, and just to maybe look to wrap up some of the things that Gareth talked about, that's really looking at the biopsychosocial approach to how you might develop people. So are we aware of the physical changes um, in, in the people that we're working with? Okay, so they're going through some pretty drastic um, changes, both from a female and a male point of view. Are we aware in the emotional changes? So actually, they're them being more sensitive to our emotions. Um, they're them starting to at, at the age where they're going through puberty, actually showing strong feelings or not showing strong feelings. So really being aware of those changes, um, and they're also at a stage where. And it's been sort of called acting without thinking. It's not necessarily them acting without thinking, it's their brain doing something which they de- most definitely can't control because of the age that they're at. So it's being aware of that. So that would be our, our sort of psychological changes. And then also this idea around being aware of the social changes that are going on. So, and, and I think Heather's alluded to it a number of times in the in the chat box, is they are searching for identity. Some of them know who they are, others don't, and they're searching for it. So they will act differently. They are seeking more independence. That is a common trait, and that they want to be to be on their own. So, actually, my training sessions might play to some of that. Some of those players that want to be more independent, give them leadership roles, and that really help with motivations. Um, yeah. I would say there's loads of other bits going on there around different types of um, different types of relationships that they might be having with other people, be it romantically, sex, sexualities playing out. There's so many things that are going on. And I just think we just have to be, we have to be mindful of it and aware of it. We don't, we don't necessarily plan for it, but you definitely think about the conversations where you might go head on thinking about something and actually just be a bit more aware.
1: Sorry, gone off on a tangent there. No, no, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, and I think you know we're, when we're talking about the sensation seeking or the motivation for social relations or social evaluation, uh, and I, I, I fear that some coaches who are coaching for the first time or getting into coaching are going, "Oh my gosh, how do I take all this on?" And and that's why I went to the planning side of things. Is that you know sometimes down a piece of paper, whether it's just you on your own or coming to you know Erasite or other webinars to to just get more information and see what works for you in your setting how many athletes have you in front of you you know you said something really important there mark um what many things but one that stood out for me in our current role is there's definitely um a lean to talk to certain players and it may not you know it, there may not be a premeditation of only talking to this many but within the analysis the video or the miking up that i might do with some coaches you know they're very surprised with the interactions that they have um, or lack of interaction they have with some some athletes. So actually just making a, a plan that not only are you going to nail the tech-tack side of, of your session, but you're also going to engage with every athlete, even if it's just one question or statement or um, a reinforcement or um you know and and that's also playing to the the vulnerability that's there for that age group as you mentioned Mark, around like puberty and brain development and all that kind of neural reconstruction that's happening so a massive period in time a crucial time for us to invest time um uh to the people in front of us in that teenage um in that teenage bracket
0: um sorry can i just jump in on that i just want to uh, like uh, and and People don't need to be fearful of all the stuff that's going on. People just need to, like your coaches, you're on you, you're on a, a webinar because you want to find out more. That's a really good start. Like, trust me, I, I've made I've made probably more mistakes than I have got it right, and I've, but I've learned from it. And and you have to be able to hold your hand up and be vulnerable enough to go actually. You sometimes have to go back to the person you made the error with and say, look, I, I got that wrong. Let's have a conversation. Um, you know. You don't everyone doesn't know it all there's always people that know more than you and there's always lots of opportunity to know more so just being on this and starting to understand that it's just quite a complex and quite a big picture is like is sort of the start of the battle
3: yeah. and it's
0: about trying to build from that just little steps at a time
1: mm-hmm. absolutely little steps for sure um caroline you've been taking all this in <laughs> and mark's uh leaned us towards the the biopsychosocial, so the the hormone levels affecting development. But um, is there is there something that you can add around this return uh, to training, return to engagement, whether it is inside school or outside? Um, mindful that that in in some of the research, I think UNICEF had one in particular that talks about teen, the teenage brain and the teenagers having a um, a really kind of long lasting impact on on changes in in the population and stuff that happens, which we've had in the pandemic.
2: Um, I think from from obviously doing the NCS for two weeks, which was really strange because that was my first two weeks back at work. Um, it was the first time that these sort of like 16-year-olds had done anything where they were engaging socially with like others. And kind of like the first couple of days, it was just all really quiet. So it was really hard for like all of the tutors who were working on the course to get much out of them. But then they were obviously taken, they were all from different schools, so they were mixed in together as well. But it was kind of giving them an idea of what college would look like for them. Because obviously most of them were sort of go to college or like some were stay in a sixth form. But mixing with different people and sort of finding finding sort of your people as such. Because at school, it's very much like you're just sort of with a couple of friends. Then when you go off at the college and then university later on, you usually find sort of like your group and like people who sort of think and behave in the same way as you. So that was really interesting to see sort of from the NCS side. And then the last two weeks being back with, Obviously, the kids that I know from the secondary school, um, just that they're the looking forward to a little bit of normality and getting that social contact. So talking to quite a few of them, that hadn't really seen each other. They'd been more sort of through the phones, through a tablet, through the apps. And I think that's obviously something that's going to be quite strange as we all sort of come back into schools and into training sessions sort of understanding that they might not have actually seen many people face to face yet
1: yeah such a such an interesting point there that um and we have mentioned it on a a couple of our webinars in different areas which shows the importance that it's still an important thread for us to realize that this re-engagement period you could be the stable part you know you could be the, the most positive experience they've had in five or six months um and you know understanding going back to the first point understanding motivations then linking into the awareness of the changes um i had a I listened to a good podcast the other day uh scarlet moffat who won the goggle Box and the into the jungle talked just as, as on the point you've made there, Caroline. She tried. She speaks about. I think Elizabeth Day's "How to Fail" podcast is what she was on and she talks about how to fitting in trying to fit in she said i tried you know I went through this phase where i wore these clothes and acted this way and then she said i felt really uncomfortable it wasn't me then i went this way and she does it in with her personality in a really lighthearted way but it just nails it there you know sport is a brilliant vehicle and it's great to have them there but actually you connecting with them and they them connecting with others in that space it could be lot, a lifelong <laughs> it could be a lifelong benefit for them aside to the benefits of sport and physical activity so um yeah absolutely um, I think the, we're, we're coming up to the the top mark of 15 minutes left. And one of the, the key areas, which is probably the pen to paper for people who are here, the unmissable session, the experience. So, yes, you connect. We understand the motivations. We find out what the young people turn up. Why are they at your session? How do we keep them coming back? Um, the, the middle part, which we've talked about, appreciating how it feels and all the changes, understanding that. Um, you know the the engagement that you might have and the influence that other people can have via in the social peer or the the dynamic of of coached athlete. But how from your environments and your worlds do you plan for an unmissable session? The the experience that they go wow, I feel brilliant after that session or I've really enjoyed it and I want to come back. What um either some examples or um some points that you'd you'd include? What would they be? If I could come to you, uh, Caroline first.
2: Um, I think, obviously, going back to sort of the social side and getting to know the group, obviously making sure it's enjoyable. And sometimes it's finding the one thing that they enjoy the most. So an example is just a simple game of one touch, one bounce that we do, but have it in squares. And for whatever reason, all the groups love it. So often do that at the start. So then it's something they like, something they know that they can already do. They're engaged. And then you can start to push them and challenge them with things that they haven't done before. And kind of, sort of hide it in the middle of the session, if that makes sense. So making sure there's like things that they already know so that it's not something completely new straight away. So something that they used to, and then balancing it out with the new things in there. Because sometimes if you explain and tell them what it is, they'll be like, Oh, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. But then actually they do it and they enjoy it. So it's just kind of like, sometimes a bit of disguise in, in what you're doing within the session.
1: Oh, absolutely fantastic can we stay on that caroline with the one touch um and give us just in cases people who are across multiple sports and we we can support them to contextualize what exactly happens in that in that uh, engagement activity
2: so it's kind it's kind of like a football tennis type of game as well so we'll do it with four squares we can do it up to nine squares and it's literally like if you get the ball and it bounces more than once in your box you're out so then they move around so there's a competition element where if you start with the ball you're obviously the champion so it could be changing. Yes, and it, it kind of it gets that competitive edge on as well. Mm, open, yes, sure. The boys used to do it more than the girls, but then the girls get competitive with it now as well.
1: Okay, brilliant. I Love that. So, yeah, great. Thanks, Caroline. Um, G- Gareth, for you and uh, planning an unmissable session. Um, uh, any thoughts around that?
2: I think we've lost him. I think he's dropped out.
1: Oh we have. Um, I'll come to you Mark in a second on that like there is a lot of uh, Sport England research I think they did one on the youth insight research report and from that I mean, there was loads. They love a personalised session, um, they love to be inspired, creative, which I know challenges some coaches, not because we're not creative, but sometimes on that linear formal quals path, we just don't go outside the box a lot, or that may not be rewarded in certain environments. Um, it says young people are seeking experiences that allow them to maintain their social lives and connect with like-minded people. And, you know, I I think even on that comment, I look back on my uh, uh uh, athletic journey whether it was in swimming or basketball and it was just life I think I, was, I moved to London when I was god early thir- 30 I think I was yeah early 30s and that was my first time in 15 years now having a, a priest so life just moved around that <laughs> so, so it was massively important but my social was my basketball team the the weekends that we had around that and um, very little outside of that. Um Mark anything from you around um, the kind of the unmissable session and experience planning for you
0: yeah i think for me i'm a i'm a, I'm a big planner so first of all i'm making sure that it's an organized session in that they they feel that the session is, is has a direction that's not just you know coaches making up as he as he turns up on the pitch i think that's important i think what i've learned and what some of the research says is around competition particularly well in, in boys sport competition drives sort of behavior and they really enjoy they enjoy the fun out of competing. Um, I think you'll find in, in girls' sport traditionally they like the uh, or, or the research will say that they, they like to feel part of something. So tapping into that idea of being a group, going towards something, I think can be can be quite important in terms of just making your environment unmissable, wanting to be part of it. Um, I I am I try to be as consistent as possible in my behaviours and the way I am. Uh, yeah, everyone has a bad day or everyone has a really good day, but I think for me, it's really trying to be consistent for the people that you're you're working with, so they feel that they get the same version of you each time. So I think that's really important. Um, we have goals within what we want to do, so the players will know what they work on. So, you know, I've had it from a, a top end of a talent pathway environment, so they're pretty, pretty driven when they turn up, but it's important that I know their goals and they know their goals, so we're really on the same page. And then the big thing, or two big things that we try and do is provide leadership opportunities so people feel that they get their stretch maybe from different ways, but we also recognise achievement. We do silly things like we've got a lion which is voted for by all the the players for trainer of the day or player of the day or whatever silly little things they are, but they actually grow and and build momentum and mean quite a lot for, for the group. So, yeah, we try and tap into little different things like that.
1: That's brilliant. I know um, we've definitely had conversations and on sessions had conversations around the gamification, okay. meet, meeting the participants where they're at and engaging a little bit. in And what we've touched on today as well, like the language that they use and um, the sessions involving some sort of technology, if that's what maybe the, the population are more savvy, I'm not saying they're Everybody's comfortable in this particular age group with it, but how can we really expand our, our level of innovation and creativity in a session um, with with and moving with the world of um, technology and the pace it's going at? Gareth, um, we're we're looking at um, some of the the Sport England youth about research around um, engagement and what teenagers found important. Them, um, what would you say are, are at the top of that list there?
3: Um, yeah, sure. So, sorry, I had a bit of a, um internet problem, so I disappeared, but <laughs> came back.
1: Uh, Thanks, glad you're back. Glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. um, so, sorry, So,
1: what, what I think
3: is important to the teachers? Yes.
1: So we, um, Caroline and Mark, have just given a run through on if they were planning an unmissable session. I mean, I know it puts a lot of pressure on coaches to have every single session out of this world. But, um, you know, having the planning and the detail to make it an incredible experience, and uh, lean a little bit away from it being very outcome orientated on on the tech tack and, and progressions to this um, yep. athlete. But if we bring it right back down to the research, it, it gives us feedback around them loving, teenagers loving a, a personalized session, like the experience that are tailored to them, inspiring, creative, social, interactive. What would you say in the, the interactions you have with athletes as a coach or participants in school and students that's important that you've picked up along the way?
3: Um I think I might have just heard something similar on the back end of what um Caroline and Mark have just said but I think the big I think the big thing for me I I agree that sometimes when you levy when you levy against what what your audience is when you when you try and put too much focus on a on a coach technical tactical outcome for the session it becomes about you as the coach it becomes about you know your session and you're trying to achieve this by the end of it I think I particularly in a school setting and know whenever i work with a should we say a grassroots club or out of the talent id pathway um i tend to try and challenge the audience to sort of almost um come up with what they want to get out of the out of the session themselves so you know we um if i'm doing a rugby session for example um i might sort of pose you know the question to them at the beginning you know so this is what we worked on last week these were these were your sort of you know outcomes these were the things that you talked about at the end of last week so using that information how would you like to sort of bring that sort of abstract that into this session and make make this session a really cool session so that we're we're continuing on with with our learning from that session but we're also looking to stretch it i think mark's used that word a few times and, and i absolutely love that word you know sort of stretching their skills stretching their thinking um you know so i try i try to more often than not i try to to personalize it i try to actually say well what do you want at this session what are you currently um you know what are you currently sort of not not happy with and why are you not happy with it and and then sometimes it's good to actually get them to talk to each other as well If, if you know you've got a group that are quite confident in terms of talking to each other then they can quite often you can be quite surprised about sort of saying well if x y and z wants to work on this and x y and z wants to really get this out how can we put that into a session together so that we're really helping each other and then what you're also building there is that you know that that really cool social team camaraderie and they're trying to help each other on that sort of training for training field rather than thinking too far ahead about right i'm training now for this this weekend's game so the focus is in the wrong place um, so they're just really kind of bringing it back into that training session so that By the end of that training session, they're walking away and they're going, well, I really, really owned that session. I kind of put a lot of my thoughts into that session and shared it with everyone else. They did the same with me. So that was worthwhile.
1: I think that's so important, Gareth, and we're hitting on um, something that's threaded through a whole session around reflection and and evaluating from your own personal um, perspective as a coach and with your coaching team, if you're fortunate enough to have an assistant or a manager whatever it is, just having that conversation with how you think that session went and having a couple of key questions that you ask yourself at the end of the session. And Anita's mentioned here um, how long are your sessions? Mine are often only an hour. And whilst I'm mindful of time and I'm mindful that sometimes the, the majority today may possibly an in invasion, um, invasion sports, that actually a lot of what we've talked about can be lifted to a multitude of sports and environments. Um, checking in with the individuals in front of you, prioritising time. If your session is 40 minutes, how how much of that time do you want to prioritize to engaging and checking in with those athletes and participants and checking in after the session and closing it off um i've had a couple of conversations with coaches in sports that happen in the morning where the the session is finishing at say maybe eight o'clock and a couple of athletes get out at half seven and 25 to and quarter two and i'm asking the the question of the coaches like how are they evaluating your interpretation of the session and how are you understanding how they felt before the next session happens with them leaving at different times. So they might put something in place that before everyone leaves, it's a quick check-in or reflection on the session. Um, So they're engaged and so, um, yeah, mindful of like how long the sessions are and, and those key parts of, engaging during the session that co-collaboration that everybody spoke about today uh, you know whether it is in a you know what would you do different how would you change this what add-on would you have or the gamification thing we talked about you know who's the boss at the end and what levels and and pressing pause to to drop questions in there I think they can all be used across a multitude of sports whether it's in, in, in individual sports or team um any any thoughts on um I've mentioned reflection there, just do it quickly. If it's in a PE session, say, let's come away from our sports. If it's in a PE session, any thoughts on how you might reflect on that with this without having recall questions? So what kind of questions could you ask the uh, teenage group that you might have to get an idea of how that session has gone? Mark, can I jump to you because you're on my screen?
0: Cool. I was hoping for someone else there. You've challenged me. <laughs> <laughs> I think back to those, P-teacher. when I was a PE teacher, I probably got a lot of this stuff wrong, to be perfectly honest. Um I think the key thing really is it, it's potentially building in some of these skills to be part of the actual session or lesson. Not, you know, at times what we're talking about here is a plenary at, at times. It's actually, you know, we don't value it as much as we do the doing. So it's how how do you build that in? you make you make natural uh instances available where where you do that you actually factor that into your planning as opposed to it be like damn we've run over right off we go run off we don't actually capture some of the stuff that's gone on some of the thoughts feelings um so i think that's what what for me it's about trying to build build that in it's using sort of frameworks or cards or loads of different tools to to get them to start to open up, it might be use a ball, you pass a ball around to someone, they have to say something that worked well or didn't work well, or, you know, there's loads of different ways in which you can start to to, to get that in. But I think it making the, making a space for it to really happen and almost making it the norm as opposed to, I know someone's watching, we best do a proper lesson. So yeah, loads of different things that go on to think about.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important there, the space and time to in the session to to value it as a key part. And it's not just at the tail end. So you're, you're going to maybe what the typical one or two questions, how'd you find the session and what would you do better? And what could we take into the next session? That That's actually drip fed the whole way through, whether it's in peer-to-peer uh, Q&A or breakout sessions, or it's, you know, coach coach group or coach athlete. Um Kathleen, there's loads of work that you're doing with a number of different answers I've mentioned a multitude of times, but um, just to, to close us off today, a any message that you'd like to to give anybody who's coaching in this age group um from the experience that you have what would that be
2: i think probably the main thing is like don't give up because i know just from my experience when i first started doing it four years i, I was a little bit intimidated at first because it was very different to what i was used to and obviously what we're saying about sort of theme in the sessions and stuff i felt like i couldn't do that as much with them being a bit older so it was then just sort of like challenging myself as a coach and I think other coaches have to do that as well and like it is going to be hard because obviously we've talked about everything they're going through in terms of obviously the puberty the different ways that they're feeling different things that happen at home like everything affects them more being at this age and I think it's just sort of like working through that and realizing that what you're doing is probably helping them even if the sort of doesn't feel like it at the time it will in sort of like weeks and months later
1: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Caroline. Thanks for that. Gareth, um, your takeaway message, if you could summarise any of the areas or any of the experiences that stood out for you for the the group here today.
3: Um, Well, can I firstly just champion everything that Caroline's just said there? I think that's, for me, what Caroline's just said there is massive. Don't give up, Um, you know. And I think Mark said it a few times as well about, you know, if you're open-minded enough, you'll know that actually you will get it wrong. And you'll get it wrong more than you'll get it right. But if you if you actually learn from that and you understand why you've got it wrong, that's what makes you a better coach in the future. And that future could be the next hour. It could be the next day. It could be the next week. It doesn't matter. But as long as if you want to be the best coach you can for the audience that you're coaching, then you'll always know that you're you're constantly learning as well as the audience that you're you're sort of working with. Um I think. From a, um, from a personal experience point of view, and I think this has been a massive thing in my learning journey, um, has been about, uh, about awareness, self, self-awareness, um, understanding yourself first as a person. What makes you tick? Why, what, why are you there? And why do you consistently want to be there? Um, and then using that information to actively listen. Um, you're always looking to actively listen to the language that's being sort of um, expressed, um, you know, and the the curious, the curiousness of your audience as well as you at the same time. I think, and if you can, if you can find a, a way of using that information, um, so using their language, if you like to, to help them. Um, You'll always get that buy in because they'll they'll eventually start to hear the fact that you're you're using their language with them and they'll they'll really link into that, and that connection then starts to as we've already said become sort of really organic really authentic um and then it it just blossoms into a lovely relationship and then you'll find that it's almost not like a coach athlete relationship it's it's like just having a normal relationship with anybody else and you know it's a it's a good trusting relationship and that's what you want um and there'll there'll always be that professional boundary of course um but the more connection the more confidence you can have by just actively listening to your audience and letting them know that you're doing that and then use that with them i think you'll go a long way and, and like caroline says just don't give up just keep going keep going keep going
1: because i imagine as we've covered today i mean you're going to have all different sorts of reactions and uh, impulsive behavior that possibly will uh, will pop up that they can't regulate or understand fully so don't give up i love it self-aware make mistakes learn from them don't give up and um, trust you mentioned there massive word whole obsession that we could get into being curious and asking the questions why are the young people at your session there today um what, you know how have you fulfilled their mov- motivations and do you understand them can you appreciate the life changes that are going on and then understanding where this kind of value comes for them that sense of belonging what what really do they see as value in a session and try and see in your planning if you can incorporate that so Listen, uh, I'm, I always say at the end of it, three fifteen. Oh my gosh, here we go. How, how did we get to this point in sixty minutes? I'm sure people are frantically making notes, writing. There's lots of stuff that we have on the web on the website that summarises these areas. Connected coaches for those of you familiar uh, with Curious Coaches Club extends this conversation to our community. So definitely check that out if anybody's interested. Um, and has read the Chim paradox. Steve Peter does a couple of extra good books on um the the neuroscience and the unconscious thinking and habit formation for for this particular age group silent guides is the name of that or my hidden chimp is for the younger age group but really really interesting read uh we had jim afromo on in a session uh a while back for for our coach developers and he's written a book on the young champions mind so lots yeah, of sorry
0: jen sarah blankmore teenage brain
1: teenage oh, brain Brilliant. Yeah. Talks. i think we are going to have um we're going to have a couple of workshops coming out as well around that but yeah in in the interim people definitely check out some of the resources that are are online thank you for giving up the um the time today it's been really really valuable for for me and i'm sure for our guests so thank you so much gareth and caroline and mark for your time and your insight been super valuable um thanks to everybody who's logged on today and we'll see you next week and next week's is coaching adults
0: join us at ukcoaching.org whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve We can
2: help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.